Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud, podcasts where usually delve into political things, and then meander off onto other topics sometimes. Although, this podcast has mostly been delving into and focused on the Trump situation in our country inventing about it, talking about it, and hoping for something different to be presented in the near future. The goal of this podcast is to just get my own perspective out there and hopefully just different, just a different way of viewing the situation. And hopefully in the future we can make better decisions about how we choose our leaders and what kind of qualities we look for in a person to lead a country. And ideally so that we we can get back to a world where we don't have to think about a person like Trump all the time. That'd be awesome. We can think about, you know, having fun and doing good things and living our lives the way we want to live them. Not worrying about some encroaching state kind of dictating to us how to live, and uh, you know, it's no good. So, call this podcast just to kind of, for my own personal thing, to kind of vent and kind of process these crazy times that are crazy. It's surreal and weird and, you know, off, you know. And yet there's still so much aloof, apathetic indifference uh, that just kind of permeates our society. So many people that just kind of are dismissive of the whole thing. Ah, it's just politics. It's... The Trump situation over the last few years is something beyond politics. It's more of a, you know, the human condition. What do people look for in a, in like a role model? What do people look for in a mentor? What do people look for in a leader? What is the definition of success? You know, if you were the worst in the entire country at a particular thing, and that particular thing is the thing that you. is your claim to fame, but you were actually the worst in all of America at that thing. In Donald Trump's case, that was being a business person. He was actually the worst businessman in all of America for several years. Yet he claims to be a great businessman. What does that mean when people, so many people, believe a person who's a liar, you know? What does it say about us? And how do we, you know, improve how people decide who they're going to support and follow? I think what it is is, um, you know, for for many years our governments became just more and more unrepresentative of the people. I became more and more apathetic, more indifferent to the plight of the working class. 
and became more and more willing to pull government to far off extremes um, that will really just cater to a very small percentage of the population. And that's been happening for years. And, uh, you know, there's a certain percentage of the population that's been supporting it, uh, you know, kind of falling for the rhetoric. You, know. you have to be a good speaker, public speaker, to be a politician. You have to be a lyrical gymnast, almost. You know, you have to, you have to kind of contort positions in, in, in a certain way to kind of... In, say things to get people to believe that you're something that you're not, you know. Many of the people in go our government are simply just, you know, questing power and money, and that's it. And that's, that's why they're there. They have no desire to help people or to make, improve or to progress. That's just not their concern. And the problem is too many of the people in our federal government are, it, it's common knowledge that they're that way. You know, it, it, it's no secret that Mitch McConnell is a, you know, not a good human being, you know, uh, a man solely focused on power and nothing else. He, he does not give two hoots about regular people. Now he's, and he's not even that good at pretending like he cares, you know. I mean, he's just a, a, a foul person. But he's been in the Senate for decades now, you know. There's not really much of a way to get rid of him, it seems. But, you know, one can hope. So I guess it's like... I guess it's like, with my view in politics, it's like, what if... Well, what if, like, something crazy, like, everyone voted who had the ability to vote? What if? You know? What if huge portions of people running for public office were, like, real people? Like, real, actual, regular people? You know? Um, they're running for local office, and their experience before was working. You know, doing work work. You know? Whether it was carpentry, or electrician, or plumbing, or whatever. Just regular people. And then they ran to be representatives. And then just, you know, served a term or two. And then moved on. What would that mean? Could, you know. Instead of people having a career in politics. It was more like many people's view of military service. Where you go in. You, you, you serve your, your time. You know. You, your commitment to your country four to six years or whatever, and then, and then you move on, you know, there's lots of people that do that, my, my dad was in the Navy for, I think, just four years, and my stepdad was in, I think, for eight, you know, so neither one of them retired from the Navy, but they, they were in the Navy, and that's actually where my stepdad learned how to be an electrician, and he's been doing that for, you know, he's been an electrician for 40 years now or something, um, you know, why do we have to ha keep having these people in, in government who are, that's just all they do. They're, they're politicians. 
some of them like decades ago they had like a normal job but we have to find a way to, to not have these people that are like career politicians there has to be a way where either a they have to kind of term limits so they have to branch off to a different type of government you know um you know the house of representatives or you know the judicial branch or you know work in a specific department i don't know i'm just uh getting a little nervous you know it's a real heavy time it's it's like the you know human mind can only take so much you know so over 200,000 people have passed away there's millions of people that refuse to believe that it's real um, we got this deranged uh, you know drugged up idiot who's currently the president um, he's clearly you, you know if, if the videos that he made just the other day if you just saw those and you had no context of who he was you would be like whoa that that person's out of their mind but because it's only a few degrees worse than what he already was it's like we're kind of like well is he drugged out or is he yeah it, it's like hard to tell you know because he's on steroids and these other drugs that treat the corona and now he thinks he's immune from coronavirus because he caught it a week ago and then he's been pumped full of drugs so now he thinks he's all better and he thinks he's immune. He doesn't think he's contagious. You know, um, I'm a big believer in uh, cause and effect. So when a society deliberately and willingly votes against its own in interests, there are consequences. You know, there's been consequences to our country for electing Donald Trump. What will the consequences be if we double down? give him a second term I mean it'd be pretty scary it, it would you know we would be the, our country would be the same in name only you know because a vote for Trump is a vote for fascism some crazy irony with uh, democracy you have the right to vote and you have the right to vote for whoever you want you can even vote for the right to basically in the future lose your rights to vote you know you could give you can make one last vote invite fascism into the government in a more implicit manner and just allow it to take over and then once you give fascist leaders sort of legal authority legal discretion well then they can you kind of take over the levers of power you know that's basically what Trump has done he's sort of implanted um, you know, some of his loyal um, followers into various positions of government for the explicit purpose of sort of making the government more uh, representative of Donald Trump, that specific individual. Other people that would benefit under the Trump presidency are people who have given Donald Trump money and and other wealthy people and and that's it that, that's who benefits in the Trump government uh, 
you know, tariffs on China uh, don't don't benefit the American worker. N n no, the the wall, if and when it gets built along the thousands of miles of border in the middle of the desert, uh, that getting built, uh, n no, no benefit to the working class person. Billions of dollars being spent on a, on a wall in the middle of the desert that will only cost more money to repair and fix later. That As soon as it's built, it will almost become kind of a, you know, a quest by millions of people to knock the fucker down. You, you know, you almost have an obligation to do what you can to destroy the fucker, you know. Walls? No, you're, you're not building any wall in my country, in our country, you know, that, that no. You know, we're, we're not turning into, you know, Berlin in the World War II, you know. Had the big wall, barbed wire, and armed guards and stuff, like, n n no thank you. So, when, once you, you know, if it came to that, where, like, they really, really started getting underway, and they started cutting the wall right through Americans' property that they own without easements or anything, just started building this fucking wall thousands of miles long. There would be groups of people that would, it would, they would just feel more than compelled to do what they can to destroy the wall. Because the, the wall represents hatred and violence towards people who are different. That's what it symbolizes. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's just, there's, there's no there there with Trump as far as things he's going to be doing, things he has done that have any benefit to the regular people. It's just not there. It, it's not going to happen. Um, that's not who he is. That's not what he cares about. What he cares about is himself and making more money for himself. And that's it. Y you know, that is it. That, that's who Trump is. You, you know, you can pretend all you want. That he's, you know, really concerned about, yeah, but but he's not. He, he just isn't, you know. I don't know why so many people just refuse to believe it, you know. I, I don't know what they see in the guy that makes them think, oh, yeah, he, he's fighting for me. Like, n n no, <laughs> not, not even kind of. In fact, uh, some of the people that are, like, most susceptible to the Trump policies are his very supporters, you know, his denial of the reality of coronavirus. Who are some of the people that are going to get directly affected? Well, well, yeah, his supporters that are believing what he's saying, going to big crowded auditoriums to listen to the Trump show without a mask. He, he was all, you know, well distanced away from them, although he wasn't taking any other precautions because now he has coronavirus. And many of them caught it too. There's been spikes in cases directly linked to Trump campaign rallies. It's just, how do we, I don't know. Uh, it's like when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor back in the World War II. They said it was like the thing that awoke the sleeping giant. It's like that's what got the United States revved up and got us woke us up and got us into the war. Is there anything that's going to wake us up as a society? You know, 
like fascism. A candidate ran on fascist principles. He just didn't use the word, but he, you know, I saw it clear as day when he was running his campaign, you know, back in 2015. In fact, one of my Facebook posts, I just, I put in the word fascism and with just a link to the definition. Amazingly, some of the Trump supporters back at the time who were friends of mine started giving me shit. It's not fascism. All I put was the link. If you're seeing connections, you know, I, I literally just put a link to Webster's de definition of fascism. And, you know, it, it struck a nerve with some people. I didn't even mention Trump's name. Just the, the Webster's definition of fascism. And, yeah, that fascist rhetoric is what Trump ran on. So, you know, 60 million people, God bless them. Don't wish them any ill will, but, yeah, they voted for a fascist. They voted for fascism. The thing with fascism, though, in the United States of America is that it is illegal, in, in a way, basically. In order to engage in fascism, you have to, you have to break the law. So there has been things that Trump has done, and Trump's attorney general, Wayne Barr, have done that have been, you know, unethical, immoral, and in some cases possibly even illegal, you know. But that's kind of what you have to do, because it's it's violent oppression. You know, when Donald Trump sent uh, agents, federal agents, to Portland to fire rubber bullets and tear gas at protesters, that would, that, that you know. That that's assaulting people who who did not assault you. You're not defending yourself from an invader or something. Um, it, you just because you have a uniform on doesn't give you the right to assault civilians. You, you know, just because you have and that that's not how it works. You you don't just get to go and beat people up because they're saying things that you don't agree with. That's called assault. However, in fascist governments, that's just what the government will do. You're speaking out. You're, you know, in large groups gathering, voicing your opinions. All of a sudden, there will be some sort of militant group, you know, paramilitary group that will show up to suppress your voices through violence. Yeah, that, that's, that's called fascism. That's what it is, and fascism takes different forms in a country that is, whose foundation, or at least in theory, is, is democracy, and an ever-evolving definition of democracy, um, fascism's going to look a little different than in other places where maybe there was like, you know, where the system of government was more based off of like royalty and stuff like that. That's not the system of government we had. We we have a democracy where people have the right to vote. Now in the beginning, not everyone had the right to vote. It was only land-owning white men. But eventually, more and more people, you know, joined in. Um, but but fascism is is something much different, and that that is what Trump represents. The very right that I have right now to voice my opinions on a podcast and to air on the mouth to all the world and the rights of all the other people to do such things, to voice their opinions, are rights 
that we have in this country. In other parts of the world, that there is no such right. And in fact, if you voice your opinions about the the leader of the country, and North Korea, they refer to Kim Jong-un as the supreme leader. If you, if you make any disparaging comments about the supreme leader in public, uh, yeah, you, you get whisked away and you never heard from again. It, it, yeah. It, Donald Trump is a huge fan of Kim Jong-un. He thinks he's a wonderful guy. Vladimir Putin, too. And Putin does the same kind of stuff. If you say something bad about him, if you're a journalist and you're investigating, you know, Putin's illicit activity, you might just wind up dead or poisoned, or he might just put you in jail and throw away the key. Yeah, because <laughs> they're not democracy. They're authoritarian governments, an entire government that is controlled, dictated to by one person. You know, does not. It's not the will of the people. It's the will of one maniacal tyrant. You know, um, but Trump idolizes these people. You know, he's a big fan of them. He he wants to be like them. Very scary. You know, uh, it's very scary when people see such an incompetent, dumb shit, idiot. And, and confuse all that idiocy with um, confidence or something, or toughness. It's like, no, he, he's weak, he's pathetic, he's an embarrassment to America. And he was an embarrassment to America decades ago, before, long before he was president. But uh, he's a disgrace. And we as a country are a disgrace for allowing him to become president uh, and allowing him to stay president. You know, are millions of people still going to keep voting for the Republican Party? I mean, how, how does it not, why is that still a thing? Why are there still working class people voting Republican? It I, I just, it, the cat's out of the bag, folks. <laughs> that is not the organization that is Christian values. I, I don't know how, like, how did that happen? <laughs> Somewhere along the line, millions of Christians we're, we're told or something that like in order to be a good Christian you gotta vote for the people with R's next to their name it, and, and they and they bought it you know <laughs> it's just that organization could not have done more over the last several years to make it very very clear that they are not an organization that is you know in any way shape or form you know the embodiment of good christian principles uh, no <laughs> it's embarrassing when they try to pretend like they are it's just no that's not what they are i don't how, how is that so confusing to people how, how did they get manipulated the Republican Party is, is the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy. Yeah. Many of their members are lie emphatically. You know, they, their main focus is making sure that wealthy people get more money. If they have to cut programs that help feed people and cure people, so be it. As long as wealthy people get more money. That's what that organization does. That's what they do. 
That is what they do. You know, it, it's kind of a blatant, complete inverse of the teachings of Jesus. It, it's not even, you know, I, I don't even know how people can try to pretend like what the Republicans do on a day-to-day -day basis, what they do do. The people with R's next to their name, Mitch McConnell, you know, Marco Rubio, David Nunes, Trump, Jim Jordan, you know, Matt Gates. These are <laughs> these are not noble people. They're not virtuous people, and it's clear as day. You know, it, it's no secret. I mean, you, you know, they are what they are. You know, they're power hungry um, villains. You know, villainous people. You, you know, without use any trick they can to try to create more power for themselves, and they care not about the interest of others, the plight of others. It's just not a concern of theirs. But they like to pretend like it is, you know, because they need the votes. They know what they are, you know. And millions of people who don't vote Republican, like myself, also know what the Republicans are. The people with R's next to their name, not the people who vote Republicans. Those people aren't Republicans. I'm not a Democrat. Why am I not a Democrat? Because I don't have a D next to my name. If you don't have that D next to your name, you're not a Democrat. If you don't have an R next to your name, you're not a Republican. The Republican National Committee hasn't given you money to help you with a campaign, then you're not a Republican. You're not a member of the club. You can be voting Republican for 50 years. You are not a Republican, though. Sorry, you're not a member of the club. I know you want to be, but it's you're not. You're just a voter. That's it. The Republican National Committee, its purpose is to benefit its members and to make sure that they stay in power. What do those members do with their power? They create more power for themselves and more power and wealth for the already wealthy and powerful. And, and, and that's it. That's, that's what they do. That is their primary objective. That is their mandate. That's it. Now, you can believe whatever you want. That, oh, no, they're going to cut taxes and, and the Democrats are going to raise tax. You know, <laughs> it's all bullshit. You know, it, it's just, yeah, they're just word salad nonsense to sort of make people believe that this, that organization, which is primarily first and foremost focused on protecting the interest of the wealthy, is actually going to benefit you somehow. You know, fear is one of the main methods to, the Republican Party uses to convince people who are not wealthy to vote Republican. Fear tactics. You know, if you, if you, if you vote for that other one, you're going to have your taxes go up. You know, if you're making, let's say you're doing really well, you're making 75 grand a year, upper ends of the sort of, you know, working class spectrum. Median income in the United States is like upper 50s, lower 60s, so you would be above that if you're making 75. What would your, how, how would your income be affected by the marginal tax, the wealth tax, or the estate tax if you're making 75,000 a year? Well, your, your tax, for those specific tax, your, your amount would be, would, would be zero, you know, so that's one of the, 
tricks the Republican Party uses, though. Your taxes are going to go up. They're, t they're talking about raising taxes. Sure, yeah, on the, on the wealthy. Yeah, yeah. No need to raise the taxes on the working class. That, you know, if anything, the working class probably pays a little bit much in taxes because they also pay taxes when they buy things. So there's federal income tax, and then there's you know, some various sales taxes and stuff. And, you know, um, yeah. People, working class pays plenty in taxes. But the wealthy, though, you're, you're talking like huge, massive sums of money. And then huge sums of money that can just be sort of written off, even when it shouldn't be, really. You know, all kinds of little loopholes for wealthy people to avoid paying as much in taxes. So massive, massive funnels of money that just pours upward, you know, just shoots upward. And it's controlled by a tiny percentage of the population. So raising the taxes on those people does not affect the working class in a negative way. No. So, but the Republicans will twist people, you know, they're going to raise taxes. If we, if we can put in a marginal tax and a wealth tax... That, that's a tax that would be paid by wealthy people. A so marginal tax would be you make over $10 million in a year, the portion above $10 million, the portion above $10 million, the portion above $10 million, you'd pay a much higher percentage tax in, say like 70%. Not 70% of your total income, 70% of the portion above a really big number. It would affect a few thousand people. The vast majority, 98%, 99% of the population, would not be paying a marginal tax. Okay, it's, got, it's also an exclusive tax is another way you can think of it. A members-only tax or something, you know. It's um, however you want to market it, but it's... it For these massive sums of money that just sort of accumulate and just get almost kind of stagnant in a tiny group of people, it, it, the marginal tax is just a way to kind of help redistribute that income back into society. Those wealthy people are still extravagantly wealthy, even after they pay their tax. Their net income is fine and dandy, you know. You're making $20 million in a year. Your gross income is $20 million. Your first $10 million, say you pay normal 38% tax on. So, you know, you have about six. 0.2 million out of the first 10 million. Then your second 10 million, you pay a 70% tax. So you'd be a net income of three in that second 10 million. So yeah, net income would be between nine and 10 million. If your gross income is 20 million. The key thing there is your net income. Yeah, you have a net income of $10 million in a year. Fuck you. Okay, I, the the whining and complaining that those kind of some of those and it's not even all of them it's just some of those people do to try to get their tax rate lowered it, it it's just kind of embarrassing you know ten million in one year net earnings okay here here's what you do okay buy some real estate buy a house. You don't need to be stupid, but you know you could you could splurge pretty good. Buy a one million dollar home, put another million aside to cover property taxes and such for quite a while, 
And of the remaining $8 million, you're just going to buy an annuity that's going to pay you just a nice reasonable salary of $10,000 a month for a really long period of time. Let's see if I can keep chatting while I check my annuity calculator. So that's one year of earnings where you own a house outright, you have all the property taxes covered, and you have a nice little income for a very extended period of time, many, many years. $10,000 a month. What if you never work again? Doesn't matter. Your house is paid for, property taxes are covered, and you have a quote-unquote modest living allowance of $10,000 a month. And that's all from one year of earnings. That's it. You're done. You, you, you made it. That's net earnings too, you know. So people that are complaining that they had to pay so much in tax, what, what was left over? What were you able to get? Now imagine that you know, your net income is $10 million in a year, and it's for many years that it's that way. Well, it just, yeah, it just grows and grows. You kind of, some wealthy people, they just kind of, they run out of stuff to buy, you know. They might have several homes and, you know, boats and cars and all kinds of toys. He who dies with the most toys uh, still dies. And, and then their, their shit gets auctioned off at an estate sale or whatever. It's just stuff, you know. It, it's never going to fill the void, no matter how much shit you buy. It's just stuff. But you see that a lot with wealthy people. Trump's one of the classic ones. It, like, he, he doesn't, he's a man of no substance. He just needs more and more stuff. But it's all just stuff, you know. You can do with all that shit. So, marginal tax would mean that... You know, wealthy people would still be wealthy. They'd still have all their extravagant toys and shit, but there'd just be more money being redistributed into society to help, you know, people get health care when they need it, help, you know, take make sure the hospitals are well-funded and stuff, make sure schools are well-funded and built properly and all that so our kids are safe and learning and people can get as much schooling as they need and job training and all that sort of thing. Um, and as well as investment and, you know, cleaning the, up the environment and stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, tons of money left over if, uh, you know, you, you have a marginal tax. You, you're just able to make better investments into society, things that benefit society. All right, so I'm going to check my little... Um, analysis here early. So earlier, I was saying, but the marginal tax, if someone had a net income after all their earnings of about $10 million, so say their initial gross pay or whatever was about $20 million. So actually, so it'd be about, so they'd have about $8 million to invest in an annuity after they bought their million-dollar home and then put in another... Um, uh, bunch for, oh yeah, so that's about what I thought. So if you invested $8 million in an annuity and took out $10,000 a month and the annual growth rate was 3%, that annuity would last forever. Meaning, you could that annuity would pay you $10,000 a month forever. That, that, that's one year of earnings. That's $120,000 a year in just an allowance. Just a living, a living allowance. 
that, that's one investment from one year of earnings after you already bought a home, a million dollar home cash and set aside another million to cover property taxes. Like, that's what we're talking about. Those kind of people paying more in taxes. That's what the marginal tax is. It, it's those specific types of people. And again, the million dollar home, the extra million set aside for property taxes, the $10,000 a month for the rest of your life, and then some, that's after taxes are already paid with marginal tax. So you, you have a marginal tax, the people paying it, oh yeah, they're, they're still very, very, very wealthy. But let's, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's see uh, how big the number can go. So $8 million investment, earning 3% a year. If you took out 25000 a month, it would last 53 years. So you could take out, you can make an $8 million investment. It earns 3% a year, which is a very modest growth rate for an annuity. And you can take out $25,000 a month. So, you know, you could... And then, of course, yeah, you know, you're... $25,000 a month, I had a whole year's where, you know, I didn't even make 20000 in a year. twenty Or twenty five. But twenty five thousand a month, and that's just basically virtually guaranteed income for fifty four years ish, off of one year of earnings after you already paid all your taxes and stuff. You know, um, so uh, that, that's one thing to keep in mind when a lot of these Republican assholes start complaining about tax rates and stuff and kind of like trying to pretend like these estate taxes and wealth taxes and estate taxes are something that regular people are going to pay or to try to pretend like the people that pay them are going to be in some kind of hardship. Uh, it's embarrassing, you know. Um, how stupid do they think we are? I mean, a lot of us are pretty stupid. You know, we're a very prideful, arrogant, you know, stupid country at times. You know, we are what we are. We're the most diverse country in the history of human civilization. And so the range of people and their interest in different things and their knowledge of what's going on is pretty varied. You know, you get what you get. You got millions of people that are just kind of not really paying attention for the whole thing or maybe kind of indifferent or maybe kind of just kind of distracted by gold and kind of or just kind of you know they, they got we all have our lives to live you know we don't really want to think about politics all the time but when you get enough people that are just kind of aloof well then you, you get the situation with Trump you know, a, a fucking famous con man, you, you know, becoming president. Uh, who's, you know, if, if there was better tax policy, but I don't think we have this Trump situation. If, if there's a better way of accounting for the people who cause great damage to our society, but pretend to be, um, you know, benefiting our society, you know, I don't know, so remember that, when you hear the Republican pundit talking about Democrats raising taxes, technically what they're saying is true, but raising taxes on who, whom, 
who's who's going to be paying more in taxes? The the wealthiest two percent or so. Yeah, there's massive, and they will still be fine. They don't become poor because they have to pay more in taxes. Big massive corporations. Could those big massive corporations still be profitable even if they have a higher tax rate? Well, of course. Yeah. Well, they have to adjust the salary and compensation packets for their executives a little bit maybe no possibly but i'm sure they'll be fine you know you're making 25 30 million dollars a year in salary and compensation from a corporation if it dipped down to oh 15 or so million or 10 or 15 million i, I think you'll be okay <laughs> you know you're going to be just fine so there's massive massive monies and it's it's really a weight all that money going up top it's you know we are a top-heavy inverted pyramid type thing you know where all the all the money's up there and then there's just not enough to go down and it just kind of pushes everyone else down you know there's less money for everyone else for you know food and essentials you know, there's millions of people that are just squeaking by. Meanwhile, there's these other just small groups of people, many of whom do nothing, like literally nothing. They, they, they do nothing. They don't have any real job. And many of them have never worked a day in their life, a real job job. And they are some of the wealthiest people in the world. You know, we have to find a way to kind of mend that. A merit-based system of some kind. There has to be some kind of, you know, accounting for, like, each each generation needs to prove itself. You know, you're, you're descendant of some railroad tycoon or whatever that made tons of money and however they made them back in the day. And so, and that money just kept on transferring down from generation to generation. I think there should be a certain having to prove yourself each generation, you know. Congratulations on being the descendant of some wealthy asshole. That's real neat. And sure, some kind of inheritance is fine, but over a certain limit, amount, you know. It's more than just a bit of an advantage, a bit of a leg up. It's, a, it's like almost cheating, you know. Donald Trump inheriting 400 million and then being able to write off losses to avoid paying taxes for years and decades like something wrong there we gotta fix that you know oh. I don't want to think about Trump anymore so I was so burnt out on Trump in like 1992 I was just so tired of hearing about him. And now it, it's just like, it seems like we're, we're winding down. It, it, the, the abs but it's like, the absurdity has just been slowly building for, and continuously for so many years now that it's like, it's as crazy and surreal as this last few days were with the Trump getting corona and the videos that he's made and then wanting, you know, threatening to uh, have... Biden and Obama arrested or something in charge with crimes or it's just he's a dude's lost his mind you know it's just it's just crazy like it what is the breaking point I mean you know 
why are there still millions of people supporting that guy? It's obvious that he's not good, you know. And you should know, especially know better if you're going to church every Sunday. If you're going to church every Sunday, you, you have no excuse to be supporting Trump. That's just, what are you doing? Stop doing that, you know. If you're going to say that your core principles are the teachings of Jesus, that you are a follower of Christ, why are you supporting Trump? Stop doing that. You should be speaking out against him, praying for Trump and his followers to, you know, change course. You know that. If you're reading the Bible on a regular basis, going to church every Sunday, you know that supporting Trump is the wrong thing to do. That man needs help. Okay, giving him more power is the wrong thing to do. It's clear and uncut. It, it, it's clear and obvious. It, you, you know, you have less of an excuse to be supporting him if you're going to church every Sunday. That's the craziest thing. That some of his most avid supporters are people going to church every Sunday, or it, or at least they're claiming to be. They're claiming to be Christian too. You know, what are they doing? You know, what, what's going on there? How, how did that such an obvious thing get missed? Is, is Trump a role model? No. Is he a virtuous person? No. Does he have empathy for others? No. Yeah. Th those are easy questions and answers. You know, it, it's pretty clear cut. It, 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 it's like he's almost the caricature of what not to be in life. You know, it, it's... It's like the example of this is what not to be. You know, he's he is the anti role model. But you get to see it though. You, when a person is completely and the complete antithesis to the teachings of Jesus and becomes powerful, what happens to the to the people around him, to the country that he's leading? What happens? If you go in the complete opposite direction, like Trump is. You know, Jesus' message was curing the sick, feeding the hungry, having empathy for others. The golden rule, do unto others as you, as you would have them do unto you. Forgiveness. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. You know, kind of thing. And throughout the Gospels, that's what Jesus' message was. What is Donald Trump's? Someone's saying something negative, beat him up. If someone does you wrong, hit back harder. Yeah, not not turn the other cheek. If someone's different than you, outcast them. Don't you know? Don't don't embrace. You know, someone that with differing views. Make them an outcast. Threaten violence to anyone that disagrees with you. Lie, cheat, steal. You know, cheat on your wives. Be corrupt. Never admit. When you're wrong, you know. And then, you know, sort of mock people with disabilities, you know, make fun of people who, you know, whose, whose children may have, were killed in combat, you know. Cut funding to programs that help feed people and cure the sick. And, you know, that's what Trump is. You know, it's so blatant, it's so in your face, it's so obvious that he is not a Christian, and not a person that even, he barely tries to pretend. 
And again, his way of pretending that he was a Christian was <laughs> he had federal agents fire tear gas on a group of protesters so that he could walk a couple blocks to a church that was closed because of coronavirus, and he held up a pit, he held up the Bible upside down and took a picture. Like he he's so far off that that's what he thought being a Christian was. Like like he literally thought that if he acts violently towards a bunch of people that are kind of in his way for whatever reason, he could have still just walked down to the church even with them there. He could have just. You know, that's what Secret Service does. Presidents shake hands with regular people all the time. He could have just met with them. You know, he could have invited people with him to pray. You don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. You can have fellowship and communion anywhere. You don't need the physical building, although it's nice that it's there. It's a nice place to go to. But he he's so far off his... Um, what he in what he believes and how he carries himself from the teachings of Jesus that that's literally what he thought would work to like prove that he was Christian fire tear gas at people who had not done anything to him they were just congregating and then walk a couple blocks and hold hold the hold the bible up in front of a church and that was his way of saying see i'm christian i'm holding a bible upside down in front of a church after I acted violently towards people. It's like that that was his way of proving it. It's crazy. You know? Like what are people doing? You know like the Bible is one of the most read books in the world. It's like who are you fooling if you say that you're a Christian and then you support Trump? Like you do know that that book is public knowledge, right? Like anyone can read it. There's the Gideon's Bible that is in just about any hotel you go. You open up the little nightstand desk drawer, and there it is. Just about every time. Like, who are you fooling? Like, <laughs> Trump is not the Antichrist, but he is an Antichrist. His entire life, his entire message on how to be, on his, what he promotes, is the complete antithesis to the teachings of Jesus. And clearly and obviously so. That's what he represents. He represents the opposite path. One of destruction, apathy, hatred, violence, when at all costs, greed, lust, pride, envy, wrath, gluttony, sloth. You know, the seven deadly sins. He embraces those. Instead of avoiding those, you know, deliver me not from temptation, but deliver me from evil. Instead of that, he yearns for those things. He, 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 he you know... His entire ethos, his entire life is saturated for him. That, that's why I feel pity for him, you know. Because you know, it's like he, he was presented that long ago. The world is winners and losers. You know, you need to win at all costs. And also he was taught racism and stuff. He was taught that being, having empathy for others was bad, you know. Like literally. And he just never... He, he, he just never, I guess, had any desire to look inward and to, you know, question his father's motivations. You know, he, he just went with it. And decades passed, you know, where he just 
just kind of fully embrace that kind of vindictive, cruel, win at all costs, no matter what kind of philosophy. Where who cares who gets hurt? Who cares who you have to lie to? You know. And sadly, some of his strongest supporters are people who proudly also say that they are Christian. A, a man condoning violence towards people that speak out against them. That, that's the guy they're going to support? Like, how, how did we get to this, you know? I don't know. It's, it's just crazy. It, we're, I mean, we as a society really got to get our, our stuff together because there's, there's, um, there's con men in every, every, you know, they're, they're just a part of our country's history. We have had con men and scoundrels and swindlers and gamblers and, uh, you know, just shock artists and whatever, just kind of carnival barker types. And, you know, we, we've had them since the beginning. Donald Trump is just another long line of them. But sometimes we also get them in, you know, religion too, where certain religious leaders will be these sort of, you know, when you take a step out back, it's like they're clear and clearly and obviously just doing it for sort of monetary gain. You know, there's some religious leader that Trump supports that was having his congregation pray for so that he can get a private jet fucking wealth gospel so it's bullshit uh, there's something about that that particular exact message that's and it seems to only be in America the, Amer the American Christians and only in certain things but this idea this idiotic view of a wealth gospel that, that yeah I hate that stuff. It, it, it just it just pisses me off. It just it I, distorting the true intent to try and justify greed. It's like no, no. You don't need a private jet. You don't need to live in a big massive mansion, and especially you don't need to do that when there's if you have the means to provide assistance and help others, then that's what you need to be doing before you buy yourself big toys and show off how much money you have. That's like, I, I don't know how people get away with promoting the wealth gospel. Like it's just, it's so, but you know, I mean, I, I get why people fall for it. People want to believe that the things that they're doing are, are perfectly not only okay, but they want to believe that they're virtuous. So people who are accumulating massive amounts of money and buying all kinds of toys and living in big lash, lavish houses, palaces, basically, they want to believe that it's not only good, they want to believe that it's the right thing to do. They want to believe that it's the virtuous thing to do. They even want to believe that it's <coughs> that it's like mandated by God that they have all kinds of luxuries even while you know some of their fellow citizens are starving to death you know oh yeah God wants you to be super stupidly wealthy and act like a jackass while 
other people don't have enough food to eat, while there's all these things going on in the world, the global warming and all that, climate change, yeah, God wants you to have a big palace because you're a greedy asshole. Right. Sure. You know. Ugh. You want to be successful? Fine. But there's no need to, you know, be ridiculous. You know, rein it in a little bit. If you got money, enough money for a fifth or sixth luxury car, instead, give that money to some kind of charitable cause. You know, if you're in the big massive money group, you should be able to tithe more than 10%, you know. Fortunately, I mean, for me, tithing 10% is tough because, uh, you know, I don't make much. You know, every little dollar counts, you know, but if I still do my best, the one I donated to recently was the ACLU. Um, so I don't know. I'm hoping that uh, more people start speaking out. We start moving towards something better. We can be better. We can. You know, there, there's still immense potential in this country, as there always has been. And we have yet to achieve it. Uh, that, that great potential that, that was, you know, created all those years ago. It's still there. We, we, st we get seem to get closer and closer to it. But then it's like we get kind of scared of the idea of, you know, having greater freedom. You know, if you have the right to an education and the right to health care, that's freedom. You know, that's freedom. You know, you, you apply to a college and you get accepted. So you go, even though you're poor, because you don't have to pay for it out of pocket. That that's freedom. That's power. You know, if more people have more education, more job training, more experience with other people that are. That's freedom. That's power. You know. It, it, it's an immense amount of freedom. <laughs> you know, you get sick, you just go to the doctor, you get healed. It doesn't even matter how much money you have. That's irrelevant. That's freedom. You, you know, we, we could start getting closer to that. But we we got a little scared and impatient under Obama. And, uh, we, we, we you know, we, we're getting slowly closer to that sort of progressive society where with greater freedom access to health care and education, um, you know, and renewable energy investment and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like it, it scared a lot of people, you know, because it's like, well, you know, what are health insurance and companies going to do? You know, what, what are the, the wealthy, you know, Koch brothers that own the coal industry? What are they going to do? You know, and, and we were really worried about those kind of folks. So we, we had to kind of revert back. And so we took pretty giant leap backward with Trump but again because he is so bad it reveals what happens to a society when you embrace the opposite of the teachings of Jesus if ever there was a way to what would Jesus did what would Jesus do what would Jesus do if he was president well he probably wouldn't want to be a president first and foremost but either way Certainly wouldn't lead like Trump. So when you see the opposite and you see all the destruction, it's like, it should be a wake-up call. Why not go in the opposite direction? Why not go for more progressive things then? Let's see what we can do. Let's dream big. We can do it. Why not?
Stay safe out there. God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud.